0: Tell me about the Psalms. I know you're not done with them, huh? I gave I gave a bunch of them away this week. Did you? You you communicated? Yeah. I gave it's great it tool. I gave it away to four different people. That's good. Scripture says, "Great peace have those that love Thy law, and nothing shall cause them to stumble." Or they not will not be easily offended. The idea. Yeah. Amen. And then 155 says, Salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. Or we can say, Salvation is far from those who are wrong. And those who are wrong are not right with God. Therefore, salvation is far from them. Psalm 140, 149. Psalm 149 refers to blessing the humble. What does it say about the humble? He will beautify the humble with salvation. He will beautify the humble with salvation. I think it says that. Does it say that? How does it read? Yeah, what's verse number 5 say or 4 say? Yeah, there you go. The Lord takes pleasure, delight. In his people, and he shall crown or clothe. He shall beautify the humble with salvation. You see, that that benefit is far from the wicked. It's far from them. They're not humble. They're prideful. They, They are anti. They are resistant to the things of God, and they don't seek the truth of God, the word of God. So therefore, God doesn't beautify them with the benefits of salvation. He doesn't clothe them or crown them. Remember what Psalm 103 said. Psalm 103 told us not to forget all the benefits of the Lord who has forgiven us of our iniquity, who has healed us of all our diseases, who has redeemed us from a life of destruction and crowned us. With loving kindness and mercy. You see, that's beautifying. He's, He's crowned us. The word crown means to clothe. He's put an adornment of clothing, of royalty upon us. Loving kindness and mercy. He clothes us with that. He beautifies the humble with salvation. But those things are far from the wicked. For they seek not thy statutes. Goodness and mercy doesn't follow them. Remember, he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Amen? Amen? I like correlating, putting 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 these thoughts together. You know, remembering them, jotting them down, thinking about them. When I stumble across a theme or a thought in one psalm that's going to be highlighted in another psalm it may not say the same thing but it's speaking on the same on the same vein it's saying the same principle and and piecing it together and all of a sudden it's like a big light bulb comes on you see oh it just it fits like a puzzle uh, together perfectly uh, you could see the steps like one passage may emphasize one side of it the another passage may emphasize another side of it and when you start piecing them together, it's like, oh, that's how that puzzle comes together. I see it now. It's clear. Oh, what a beautiful one. Amen. Nothing like the Almighty. The Most High. Being in His shelter, under His pinions, His wings, making Him a refuge. What a Psalm ninety-one is a great psalm because it doesn't tell us we're not. When you do these things, even though you, it says that the pestilence may will not strike you by day, and the, you know those things which it almost sounds like. Long as I'm under His shadow, long as I'm in His under His wing, nothing's going to happen to me. But you keep reading on in the psalm; it's going to tell you that when you rest your love upon Him, verse fifteen. He's going to go into trouble with you. So that automatically helps you recognize that, look, this doesn't mean an escape from trouble. It's just saying that the enemy is not going to do anything to you that the, the Almighty doesn't permit. He's going to go into it with you. He, he's calculated these things, and it's going to come out for your benefit in the end. So don't. there's no need to fear. There's no need to fret going through it because not only is he going to deliver you through it, that's what he's saying, but he's going to go into it with you. And that's, that's a great comfort. And that's what 15 says, if I'm not mistaken. Somebody read verse 15. Doesn't he say something about he goes into trouble with us? And he says something, they, and, and they shall what? See. Look at that. He shall. I'm going to show him. I'm going to show him myself. And not only am I going to clothe him with the benefits of salvation, but I'm going to show him my deliverance. I'm going to show him how I deliver people. And the salvation in that context is not talking about eternal salvation because we're talking about somebody who is already eternally saved and in the redeeming work of God. He's talking about, I'm going to show him, I'm going to show him my deliverance, my redemption, and, and I'm going to, he's going to see some things, me delivering through deliverance. Beautiful psalm. I don't think you ever go wrong using it, quoting it, and it's pertinent in any circumstance. The, the worst of the worst and the sweetest of the sweetest times and everything in between, that that psalm is applicable to all situations. It really is. So it's one of those that, will be, that, that does us well to recall, to remember, to go to. Remember some of the principles in it because there will be times where you'll be able to help people. It will help you. You'll be able to encourage somebody else with those passages. But there's some conditions, though, aren't they? Through it. Amen. Who makes the Most High their trust? There's some conditions there. Set your love upon Him. The idea of set is fixing you you rest your love upon him. He says, I'll deliver you, I'll go into trouble with you, I'll show you my deliverance. You'll see it. Conditions. Just like Romans eight twenty eight, right? It's based on some conditions. For the, those who love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose, He says, I, I, "I'll use everything to make you more like Me." One of my one of my favorite, which I have a bunch of them, especially reading through the Psalms. But one of those that I think on, and sometimes I have to remind myself on, on a consistent basis. And something that I I will attempt to help other people remember or recall or think on is Psalm 141 in verse number 5. Psalm 141 in verse number 5. A king requesting of his king to use his servants when he gets out of order and he gets out of line, send your servants to strike me. Strike me with a rod, and I'll I'll take it as if it came from you, O God. Let them rebuke me. I'd rather be struck with a rod and rebuked by your servants than be out of order with you. I will accept it as your kindness toward me, your loving kindness. You was merciful with me by striking me. I will take it as if you are desirous to anoint me with fresh oil for specific service for your use by just a word of rebuke. That's a good way to look at being chastened by God and him using his people. That's a that's a true picture of hum- humility of saying that that I will see it if you send your your man and and he strike me with a rod to get my attention. I I that's going to be an act of your mercy on me. Cuz you could have let me keep going. You could have let me Continue on in my my stubborn rebellion, but instead you put somebody before me, and they struck me with the rod. You was merciful with me, and then he applies a word of rebuke and compares it to the all of anointing. And God only anointed people for who, who were set apart for His service. He anointed kings. Priests and prophets, that's who received the anointing from God as a sign of God's presence upon them to fulfill a particular purpose. And David said, I, I, I will take a rebuke from your service your service, and, and, re, and receive it as if you was anointing me with oil. You was bringing me back. And you was correcting me and, and giving me an assignment. Task has to accomplish, and let not my head, let not my pride get in the way, let it not refuse it, but strike me and rebuke me. That's a, that's a good principle, a good word to live by, because a lot of times that's the last thing in the world we want is somebody to get our attention when we're out of line. You know, we're out of line because we want to be out of line. We like what we're doing, but somebody to tell me I'm wrong, and not only tell me I'm wrong, but put a rod on me. I mean, come with some serious chastening to correct me. Uh, scripture teaches us about with a child uh, when when uh, when you bear the rod on a child, it's out of love for them to shape and mold them and correct them. And also says that um, that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and only the rod of rebuke can drive it far from them. So th- this is in the same context. David is putting himself under the the fact that Father, you you know me better than I know myself, and when I act like a fool, to drive this foolishness from me, put the rod on me, and I, I it, it'd be an act of mercy. Sometimes we feel like we, we we're we're we've beyond the rod. You know what I mean? We we've grown up. I don't, I don't need no whooping no more. Well. Here's the king who says to his king, the high king of heaven and earth, and says, I, I need a whooping every once in a while. Lord, put the rod on me. Drive this foolishness far from me. And you just look at David's life, some of the things that he did. He was foolish in some of his acts. And God sent a man to him and, and put, the, put it on him. And David was humble before God. And thank God, He could he could have killed Nathan and got away with it. Not before God he wouldn't have, but before man he could have. But he didn't. He was thankful. God, you was merciful with me. I just, I got to remind myself that every once in a while. I don't know about y'all. I'm trying to give you something to help you remind yourself about it every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've shared it a few times, I believe, in our in our time here. But it's just one of those every once in a while you've got to just recall yourself. And it's good to help people. Say, look, here's, here's a king who had the authority, pretty much the liberty to do as he pleased. Who was going to stop the king? Nobody. But here's a king understanding he's got a king above him. That's where Saul messed up. God gave Saul the kingship, but he failed to realize God was king over him. He was just a, a king under the king. He started operating independent of the king. What well, David is saying, God, when I act independent of your rule and kingship over me, deal with me. And how does God deal with him? He uses his people. He uses a servant. He uses a, 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 an individual to come along and speak on his behalf and deal with it. And we've got to recognize that. A Lot of times we don't like another person telling us we're wrong. Are you with me? Well that's just that's pride in us. And that's why he's saying, Let not my head refuse it. I I want the all to flow upon me. Very similar to how Psalm 133 talked about how how pleasant it is, how beautiful it is when brethren dwell in unity. He talked about it as the all upon Aaron that runs down from his from his head to his through his beard, upon his clothes, it, it flows to his feet. He's just covered in that oil of anointing, and and then he said, "It's like the dew that falls from the mountains of Bashan and waters Jerusalem." That abundance of dew, and he said, "That's where the blessings at God's blessings is in unity and His anointing and His provision." The context is speaking about. Uh, these other rulers and leaders, and whether they be of the nation or they be of another nation that were uh, potentially trying to come in alliance with one another. And David was saying, protect me, O God, from these wicked rulers, these wicked men. Don't let me get caught up in all their ways of flattery. Don't let me have an appetite for all their delicacies because they're going to put the spread out for me. And they're going to host me and they're going to whine me. They're going to dine me because they're trying to get something out of me. But don't let me get caught up in that. Let me be a voice of truth and righteousness. And if I get out of order, let the righteous strike me. Let, them, let the word of rebuke come to me. But these rulers who are ruling in wickedness are going to be overthrown. And when they are, the words that I set up and establish will be pleasant and sweet to those that had heard them and seen that my counsel was right, that I was doing the right thing. Even though I was seen as the oddball and the one contrary and didn't want didn't to blend in with everybody, when they turn and see their schemes, what they were doing, and then they take them and chunk them over the cliff because didn't, it didn't turn out the way they said it was going to turn out, my words will be established and they'll say that King David was right. And what he, That's who we need to be listening to. And I think that's the, con- that's the context of the psalm. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be in the sense they fall in the hands of him because he's going to make judgment upon them. That is, even in their death and him throwing them upon the rock, God's going to deal with them. But he still, the context says that there's still going to be some people who are left behind who did this to them who's going to recognize that what David said, his counsel was right. It was, should have been trusted from the beginning. These were crooked leaders, and we shouldn't have followed them nor their counsel. And that's what he's saying. And if I get out of order, God, because he said I'm prone to do this. I can say the wrong thing. I can get out of order when I do. I want you to send the righteous to strike me. And I think when you read the whole psalm in context, that's what you see. You see David meeting with a group of people who are leaders and rulers who are trying to get him to join in with them. And he chooses not to. And he says, don't let me get caught up in a trap. And that's why he talks about the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth. Guard my mouth; don't let me say anything that I shouldn't say or do. Protect me, so I give good counsel, good leadership, and uh, and when if I do it, get out of line, deal with me, but establish my words, Brother Shannon. First ten, uh, chapter. Mm-hmm.
1: Says,
0: let the wicked fall into their own nets. Yes, their own traps. So on traps. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. So they they set a trap. Yes. And he's telling God, asking God to put them into their own trap or their own net. Yes. While I yes. He said, "I'm not going to stand with them. I'm not going to. I'm not going to act like I'm going to stand with them. I've given them my counsel, and if I've given them the wrong counsel, out of line, deal with me." So he's obviously, he's dealing with this alliance of, of of national leaders. It'd be like right now, our president's over in Hawaii, right? I don't know if y'all have seen that on news. He's over in Hawaii. He's been over there meeting with these economic world summit type thing in Hawaii. And uh, let's say they all met there and, and he had the heart like David had. That's what he would be saying. I... I I corrected these men, and I didn't let all their trappings snare me, because that's what people do, you you know what I'm talking about, they want you to do something for them, they want you to give up a little money, they want you to compromise on your way of thinking, they are whining down you, they are laid out before you, and you feel like, well, they treated me so good, I might as well do this, or... Uh, man, they really care for me. Are they really, you know, that kind of thing. And the scripture, te- Proverbs teaches us this. Solomon does because David taught him, and the Spirit of God is one teaching it. Don't get caught. Up. If you have, if you are snared by delicacies, by food and and wine and all, you you're you might as well go ahead and cut your own throat right now because you're gonna get. They gonna they got you. If that's what's going control you they got you in the palm of their hand and scripture says you might as well you might as well go ahead and cut your own throat because you're you're doomed to destruction if you can't say no to things people put in front of you don't get trapped by what they lay out in front of you the goodies that's just the nature of man that's how he works he knows man and many people get caught up right in it. And, and the, if you read the whole context of the psalm, obviously that's the setting. And David doesn't want to be wrong in what he says. And if he is, he says, God, deal, deal with me. Get me in order so that I can, I, can, I can communicate the right thing to these people. If i got to stand alone, I will. If somebody wants to stand with me, that would be fine too, but I'm not going their way. Such a great song. It's really very beneficial uh, even in our modern day. What else? one three, uh Uh-huh. Uh huh. As far as east and west, so far does he remove our transgression from us as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who believe. hmm. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. And what I would want to say to our fear, seemed like that word fear because has come out in my mind many times. Mm hmm. hmm you see it huh yeah and you see the reaction of God toward those that fear him i mean it it's it's one of those things that that you say god i want i want to i want to learn how to fear you you know when you see that how compassionate he is the mercies that he shows the 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 all that he says he's going to extend And understanding our frame and that we're frail and but dust. And we can only handle so much. And he treats us, he pities us like a child, the scripture says. And uh, based on those principles of just fearing him. And Proverbs are going to teach us how to learn how to fear him. You know, it's going to talk about that, what we have to do. You know, we, we, we were out searching for this septic tank and we just... Kept digging. Greg said yesterday, look, we're going to tear up the whole earth if we have to. And either we're going to find the tank or we're not. And we found some other treasures, gas lines, electrical lines, phone lines. You find some things when you dig, right? Well, the scripture is going to tell us the same thing. If you dig, if you treasure, if you mine for it, God says, I'll show you a few things. I'll let you find some stuff. But you got to do this to get to it. But that's right, just what you said about fear. And, and that's where we got to ask God, God, put your fear, the fear of you in us. We ask you to work that work. Teach us how to fear you. Because I want the benefit of being able to fear you. And we'll... Amen. It Gives all them ifs, huh? Yeah, yeah, if, I if, if. Yes. And find the knowledge of God, if you do that's right. And, and yeah. Know, if you dig for it and search for it and treasure it and incline your ear, those ifs, 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 and then it says then. And you could actually put in there then and only then. Mm-hmm. You can put that word only in there because that, that's, it's conditional. Chapter 2. It's mm-hmm. so our tomorrow's reading. If you would do this, if you would do this, if this, if this, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. I that and then I, uh, then yeah, we talked about that um, the last time we was reading through Proverbs. Is It's, it's some conditions that he helps us with. Look, look in Proverbs 23 speaking on this note of of Psalm 141 in the context. Proverb 23. This is Solomon as he writes, for which he was taught by his dad. He says, when you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite, do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Making a strong point that people put it out. I mean, you consider uh, I mean consider the, the the casino arena. What do they do? They present the finest of foods that you can have at a at a at a at a low cost in comparison to 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 wine and dine you so that you'll get they want you in that, they want you to gamble. Right. They want you to get in there and, and spend some money in that in that casino. They the food is only is only an attraction to get you to gamble. That's all they, that's all that's for. that's what it is and and and, and it's 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 a tactic i mean it, it's their strategy they know that they're willing to put the money out there on the food, they're willing to lay it out before you, offer you as much as you want, and they know that it's just it's just a trapping that's all it is Same with the entertainment. Yes. what it would cost other venues mm-hmm. there. you can go see them of course they're just filling the house up so they, so and get you over help. to that yeah uh, it's all part of it it's all part of the trappings and that's why he's telling us to, to if you're if you're a person given an appetite and your appetite can be more than just food it could be multiple things you know there's somebody out there with a venue to feed your appetite and if you're given to feeding the appetite, the flesh, you're going to get trapped. They're going to hook you in every time. And you've got to consider carefully what's before you. No doubt. Well, we don't have much more uh, time, but what, what was you thinking on, Psalm, I mean, on Proverb 1? Proverb 1. Some, some insight. Could y'all see how, how Proverb 1 spoke of wisdom? It's kind of personified wisdom, that wisdom cried out. It cried out and it cried out. It tried to, to meet with people. And if you notice, it talked about like the chief concourses, talked about the highways and uh, meeting places. It's, it's where people gather. Why? How does God communicate wisdom to people? How does he speak to people? Well, of course, he speaks through his word, but he speaks through his word to his people. I mean, it, 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 people that are not his people don't spend time in his word. That, that, that's a that's a given. Remember, salvation is far from the wicked because they seek not thy statutes. We understand that. So how does God speak to the simple and the, to, the, um, to, the, to the wrong, to the wicked, to those on the outside. How does he do that? He threw his people. Remember, wisdom comes from above. He gives it. Proverbs 2 is going to tell us how we can walk and have that wisdom. He teaches us that. So how does God speak? He speaks through people. That's why if you look in Proverb 1 and it refers to the places. Notice these places that it refers to where wisdom cried out. All these are gathering places. These are where people meet. Verse 20, wisdom calls aloud where? Outside. She raises her voice where? In the open square. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the opening of the city gates. Uh, she speaks her words. And when she speaks, the idea is, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? How long, you scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge? And when he speaks, the idea is, turn at my rebuke, surely I'll pour up my spirit on you and I'll make my words known to you. So God uses, we're, we're talking about when this happens, it happens through people. When God speaks his wisdom, He speaks his wisdom through people. We are his people for whom he would use to speak this wisdom, to help people, to try to turn people. It is a a motivation of God to use us to do that. But that's how it happens. All these places are where people gather, where people's paths cross, where people meet. Notice none of it said wisdom cries aloud where? In your home. Didn't say that, did it? Though God teaches us in our home, and he speaks to us when we search for him and spend that quiet time before him and search him. But remember, he's dealing with the simple. He's dealing with the fools. He's dealing with the scorners who are not in their homes seeking his word. It's he's putting his people in their path. So he's talking about you and me. We're just a, a, a vessel for which he communicates through. And then he goes on to say, what does it say? Verse 23, turn at my rebuke. Surely I'll pour out my spirit on you. I'll make my knowns wor- my, my words known to you. That's a, that's a great principle that these can't be known, even though we're communicators and we're to be teachers. Only God can make these things come alive. Only he can take the cover off and make them known. That's why we're dependent upon him. Amen. We're not to operate independent of him. We're to operate dependently upon him so that he would help us and speak through us because he has to make them known. Verse 24, because I've called and you refused, I've stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. Let's just put it in in, uh, Highway 498 East terms. They wouldn't listen to you, basically. They heard you and only you, and they thought you were just a fool. Like, quit preaching to me. Quit telling me I need to do this and I need to do that. Would you just let me enjoy my life the way that it is? I don't need you telling me how to live. I don't need you preaching to me. I don't need you telling me about Jesus. I don't need to know what the Bible says. In basic simple terms, that's exactly This is what he's talking about. You disdained it. You turned from it. And how does that happen? They won't listen to us. They're not listening to us. It has nothing to do with it. They don't even consider the fact that God's communicating through you. They just don't want to hear from you no more. You you with me? They don't see it's from God. They just see you're the problem. They have no clue that God's trying to communicate to them. You are the one in the, in the middle. They'll tell you, I don't have no problem with God. It's just his people I can't stand. The scripture says, for the fool's heart frets against the Lord. Rages. But how does that happen? It's through his people. Then he goes on to say, verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when you're terror comes because it's coming you're going to find yourself in trouble and when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a tornado when distress and anguish come upon you then they will call on me they're going to want a word they want to go to hear. they I need help I'm in trouble My marriage is falling apart. My husband cheated on me. My wife is running around with somebody on me. This and that, but that, but that, whatever it may be. My kids are in rebellion toward us. Uh, My son is on dope. My daughter is pregnant. Whatever it may be, I I need a word from the Lord now. I need help from him now, and I'm going to seek it. And a lot of times, they're going to come to you and me. Because they're the only thing that we know that's say. we got a word to maybe help them, you know. You, you've you probably seen that before where they told you and told you and told you, that's enough, and some people got a little more coof. They won't tell you that, but they really don't listen to you, and they'll try to avoid you a little bit. They just don't have the personality to tell you they don't want to hear from you no more. But when they get in trouble, they'll give you a call, ask you to maybe, would you pray for me, this is going on. Can you maybe ask your church to pray for us or this or that? You know that kind of thing. Well, the scripture says in verse twenty-eight: Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but I will not. But will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. So that that helps me understand the society that I live in, the culture that I I face, the people for whom God's going to put me in paths with, if God's going to speak to him, he's speaking to them intentional because God never does nothing Amen. without a purpose. He's going to use me to do that. So I understand, okay, some people God's going to communicate through me to and he's going to draw them and they're going to respond to that, but there's going to be others that not going to like Nick. They don't want and Nick preaches too much. He talks about Jesus too much. I don't want nothing to do with him. But when I'm in trouble, Nick's going to be the first one I call. I see it every day. I know. Okay, well, God helps me with this to understand what's going on, what's happening. I can see it. And that's what you pray for, discernment, that you can recognize these things, why you pray for compassion, why you pray for patience, why you ask God to give you a spirit of mercy. Because, God, you may not have a word for them. And the word you speak, you want to help them, but it ain't going to help them because God's not going to speak to them. Remember, they seeking it, but God said, I'm not going to hear. I'm going to let them eat the full of their fancy. They're going to seek for me and look for me, and you and I are going to try to help them, but you ever notice that even you giving them the best of the best you got to help them, things that can really pull them out, really point them in the right direction, it's like they got a glaze over the eyes, they can't see it or like they got wax in their ears that they can't hear it, and it just nev it just doesn't sink in. they don't grab it, and before you know it they they listen to what Ricky Lake had to say on t v or 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 Oprah or somebody else, and they follow in that or they got a book they're reading and it has nothing to do with with this or that, and they they just stay in that cycle and just headed toward a path of destruction because there's a way that seems right but the way thereof it leads to death and you see it and that's why we got to ask God to give us discernment to recognize to perceive what's going on so that we can have compassion that they're in a trap I, I see what's happening I have knowledge of what's happening let me be able to work and pray for them that God, you, when you're ready, you can use me to really help them or somebody else to help them. You can pull them out of this. But I see what's going on. I know what's happening. And that's why, that's what's so beneficial about the truth. It helps us see things we couldn't see. Same things that happen to the wicked happen to the righteous. But the righteous have a different way they they deal with the same type of crisis who they go to who they depend on and knowing that when we set our love upon the lord he goes into trouble with us and we can depend on him and there's nothing wrong with taking somebody especially a friend and let them know when they ask you to pray for them to tell them you know what you know i care for you i love you i want the best for you and i'm gonna tell you what i'm gonna pray uh, i'm i'm praying that 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 God's will be done, and I'm praying that God would speak not only to your son through this, but he's going to speak to you too. And that he's going to help you see some things, that he's going to show you who you are, who he is, and we're going to pray for God's will, be to, done, will to be done. And, uh, and, and be honest with them, and they will respect you for being honest up front, no doubt, and letting them know what you're going to pray for. Let me tell you what I'm going to pray. And, and you could even turn around and say, look, I, I'm praying that God will use whatever to open your eyes to see your need for him. And that's what, I'm, that's what I'm praying. Now You don't have to tell everything, but you can as the Lord gives you wisdom with somebody that you are friends with that you can let them know that I, I'm praying. But it may not be the way you think that I'm praying. Well, yes, because they thinking that you're just a a, a little pawn in their hand, that they can, a little genie in the bottle that can can pray for them. I'm yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. So, and you don't have to condemn them in doing that. You can just say, well, let me let you know what I'm going I'm going to be praying for. And you know those four things that we talked about for when you pray that God would open their eyes. God would grant them repentance. He would reveal the truth to them, give them a heart to act on that truth and, and free them from the enemy. You know, you don't have to tell them those things just like that, but you can, you can let them know that, that, that when I pray, I pray for God to have his way and his will. It may not always fit us the way that we think it ought to, but I know he knows best, and we're going to trust him in this. And what he wants more than anything is he wants to be in a relationship with you and your son. And and turn it over there, and what you're doing is that you letting them know up front that I'm not just the genie in the bottle. I'm a f- true friend that's gonna pray God's will for your life to help you more than to make you feel comfortable that somebody's praying for something you want rather than what God desires, you know. And you help them. You give. You instructing them even in your praying, you know. And that that that's where we as the people of God. Or to be influencers. We're trying to influence thought. We're not, we don't do things for a response. Though there's going to be a response. We do things or say things or write things. To shape a way somebody thinks. To help them see from a God, Godward perspective. And if they respond positively to, positively to that. We thank the Lord. Because remember God's got to them make, them, make it known. Amen. And if they don't, we give that over to the Lord and ask him to open their eyes to be able to see. Because a lot of times we may say something just to get a feel out there, you know, how people are going to respond to it. And if, if you only do things for response from people, you're never going to help that person. You, gotta be, you have to aim to try to influence their way of thinking, especially somebody that's, that has no way of thinking rightly or correctly. You're trying to shape that way of thinking for them and asking God to do it through you to help them, you know, intentional. And that's what we got to look at. A lot of times we don't recognize that I'm a, I'm a vessel that God's using to do that. Amen. You know, we think we're just giving away some things that we might know and that help us, but we don't realize that, man, God's using me to, to grip the heart of this woman or this boy or this girl and change the way they think.